This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly sponsored by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. As a city supporter, we know you value delivery, and McDelivery is up there with the very best. You'll always be winning with McDelivery because just like Kevin De Bruyne, McDelivery puts your order right on a plate. So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered as well. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for you tomorrow. Only via the app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. City remain perfect with six wins from six in the Premier League, but did the Blues 2-0 win over Nottingham Forest on Saturday leave us with more questions than answers? It's Tuesday, September 26th. I'm Adam Booker. I'm Lee Bartley. And I'm Joe Busfield. And this is the City Report Podcast. It's here for good to win. It is a thrilling start for Manchester City. The fastest ever goal in an FA Cup final. 2023 is the City treble year. Champions of England, FA Cup winners, and now, at last, champions of Europe. Welcome back to the show, gentlemen. I think it's your first time on the show together. I'm not sure if there is any sort of um, rivalry between Oldham and Glossop, but let's try and keep things civil today, please, Luke. Oldham and Glossop? You're acting as if I'm a massive Glossop fan. I've looked you into like two games. I've been to more Oldham games than I've actually been to Glossop games, and that is a fact. I've done a few Oldham away days, but yeah. No rivalry here. We're all friends. We're excited. Joe, do you feel as civil as Luke? Um, well, I am a massive Oldham fan, so um, I, I so I hate all all fellow Manchester clubs except for Manchester City, obviously. Yikes! Well, do, you, do, you, do you want to sing that chant, Joe? They sing about um, there's, there's something about Man City. I swear they've got a chant that says something about Man City. Is it, is it um, never? Is, they basically do never felt more like singing the blues, except when Oldham win and City yeah. lose. And I just think as, as the number of times I've been in that stadium whilst Oldham are losing, I'm just like this is this this chant. Yeah, how often does that, that happen? Yeah. I don't think it's literally ever happened while I've been <laughs> while I've been there. <laughs> Well, speaking of City not losing, uh, as I mentioned in the intro, they've remained perfect with six wins from six after beating Forrest this weekend. As you guys weren't on uh, yesterday's episode, just want some brief thoughts on the game. We'll keep it very brief before we kind of dig into some some bigger talking points. Um, Joe, brief thoughts on the game. It, obviously, on paper, 2-0 win looked like an easy day out, but it was anything but. Yeah, it looked, um, it was it was really comfortable in the first half, really. Um 
City very much in, in command of it, you know, create create a lot of chances, two two very good goals. Uh was looking very easy until the uh, until until Rodri did a madness in the second half and decided to get himself sent off. Um I, I, I don't know if the I don't know if the red card is really a debate. I don't think it can be when you sort of put your hands to somebody's throat. But I think Gibbs White definitely sold it like a, like a true pro. Um, I can't really blame him to be honest. I'd want one of ours to do exactly the same thing. Um, and from that point on, Forrest kind of grew into it a bit more as you would kind of expect against ten men. Um, but I think yeah, the fact that it still ended two 0 there was definitely you know it was definitely comfortable in the end. It was it was. Didn't didn't ever really look in doubt. It just it just wasn't you know a day that looked like it could have been a nice sit back and relax for the second half turned into a very much not that. Yeah, and we, and we talked yesterday on the show about how it was probably a very important win for City in the sense that they won a game in a different way than usual. You know, it wasn't just go a couple of goals up, control things, and and kind of see the see the time run down um, or run up, I guess, um, but. Luke, you were in the stadium. Well, at least you were in the concourse. I'm not sure if you actually ever made it to your seat. Um, but did you feel the same, that it was comfortable, um, but it could have been more comfortable? Yeah, it was It was actually good fun in the stadium. It, it, me and Mace were saying it's probably our, fa- our favourite home game so far this year. It was just, everyone was dead aggy in second half and just kicking off. And I found it dead funny. Edison made my day by just randomly kicking. I, I don't know why he started kicking off with a striker. No idea why, but that was funny. Um, but yeah, quite a funny story actually at half time. So um, no one knew about Rodri. I, I was still in the concourse when that happened, and um, just before the players came onto the pitch, the DJ in the south stand started playing Waka Waka Shakira song. So everyone was going, "Can we talk about Rodri?" That carried on for the next ten minutes. So I, the first I knew about it was getting a text through. I think it was from, I saw Joe Ricci first saying, "What the fuck has he done?" And I was like. Right, and I'm I'm still there chatting. Can we talk about Rodri in the concourse? <laughs> went down, everyone's like, you missed it. Oh, I was like, yeah. But um, yeah, it was a fairly comfortable game, I thought. Even when we went down to 10 men, they didn't really look like scoring. Um, I just think the golfing quality was quite big. I mean, they had Alanga. Alanga had about four chances and he was just shockingly bad. I've given him many shit over the years. Very happy he didn't come back to bite me. Um, but yeah, quite comfortable. Love seeing a bit of a doggy this way and I can't really fault with performance of anyone but Roger, really. Yeah, I mean, it's not often we see City kind of sit in a low block with a back five. Even when they go down to 10 men, we're actually used to them still controlling games and creating chances. Um, if anything, it's just a leveler for the rest of the league at this point. So, um, <clears throat> But what I do want to talk about, Joe, is exactly what Luke was talking about, which is how City were so easily drawn into the aggression and the scuffles and the scraps by by Forrest. And I kind of want to ask a, a larger question that I saw a bit online. And did that feel like any sort of cracks in City's mentality that it seemed so simple for Forrest, who were 2-0 down, not looking like they're creating any chances whatsoever, to kind of pull City into a game that they don't need to be in whatsoever? And and it has done some pretty significant damage in losing Rodri for three games, which we're going to talk about in in part two. But it seemed very easy for City for for Forrest to get under City's skin. Is that an issue going forward, or is it just kind of a flash in the pan one off? I mean, it feels like a flash in the pan because we haven't really seen City be like this. I mean, if we, if we were, if we were seeing this every week, you know, if they'd have had similar um, if they'd have had similar issues 
prior to this this season, I'd maybe think, oh, hang on, we don't look like we're we don't look like we're up for this season. We look like something's a bit off. But I think Pep had the I think Pep made some comments in the press conference afterwards, didn't he, about how um, Anthony Taylor didn't really control the game very well and kind of, you know, he he let he let things go that maybe let the players basically once once a, once a referee loses control of the game which i think you know i've seen i've seen mixed reviews on some people think he was actually spot on and, and got the big decisions right some people think that um that he's he's, he's not an Altrincham fan and should never and <laughs> should never referee a manchester city game ever again um i think it's just a case of if you if you have a referee who sort of is very inconsistent with how they deal with with certain incidents or if they just let a lot of little sort of niggly fouls go it's easy for players to then sort of get really wound up by that and just think, right, am I going to have to do something here? Am I going to have to do something that lets this player know that he can't just kick me around all game? And it feels like, because the Morgan White, uh, Morgan Gibbs-White incident that that Rodri actually then responds to isn't actually that big of a deal. Like, it's not a huge, it's not a huge thing that's kicked that off. And you can only feel like that's probably just something that's built up over the course of the game because Rodri's felt like it should have been maybe dealt with by a referee beforehand. And obviously nothing's been done prior to that. And then he just turns around and just goes, oh, you know what? Like, I'll, I'll throttle you. That'll, that'll, that'll sort it out. Um, I just think, I just think, yeah, that's, that's, I mean, the, the Edison one moments later is, is, is much more stupid. I mean, obviously Rodri's it, it's, it's prime stupidity there, but for, for Edison to get in the face of their striker minutes later, when we were already down to 10 men as it is. Um, I think I, I briefly watched the highlights just before this. And I think that it, it, they didn't really show a replay from the right angle, but it looks like Awanyi's just just gone past him. And it looks like he's tried to make it look like there's a foul there to try and win a penalty. And Edison's clearly got pretty pissed off by the idea that he's trying to, you know, win a foul out of nothing. And as and as um it, it, in a way that to be fair, Edison even on a good day can do. Um he he squares up to he squares up to and try and make something of it. But I don't think it I don't think it speaks to any kind of larger issue within the team i think it's just one day where you know these kind of weird refereeing performances can happen or at least players whether or, whether or not it's correct or not whether or not Anthony taylor got things right or not the, cl- the players clearly felt on the day and pep did as well that it was being a bit you know that the, the, the performance wasn't good enough from the referee and that a lot was being let go which led to the game feeling a bit out of control for them and if you're in a situation where you feel like that's the case and then you get these little stupid kickouts from from forest players later on in the game eventually one of them is going to cause a, something to boil over and I, I think i think most teams would probably have a, a, most teams are going to have one day like this at some point in the season everyone's going to have a player who does something stupid and lashes out and gets a red card and it looks like you know it looks like the weekend was that for us but i'm not overly worried well i think the thing that annoyed me the most that, that you pointed out was the fact that a lot of the kind of little scuffles, the Ederson going to head to head with Taiwo Dewanyi, Jack Grealish at some point got into it with I think it maybe was um was Montiel, the the left back. Um was the fact that this all happened after Rodri was sent off. So the players have seen in front of them what damage can be done if they take things a little bit too far in these these scuffles and you know, it's already reached the boiling point. It's not that it's going to boil over eventually. It has already. It did immediately after the, the start of the, the second half. So, Luke, is there blame to be put at the referee's door that he let these little fouls go, little fouls go, and eventually it boils over? Or do some of the City players have to take the blame for, even after seeing Rodri get sent off, 
um, letting themselves still get involved when we already have loads of injuries. We already have a thin squad. I mean, another player gets sent off and we're talking about, you know, having four four players on the bench in upcoming games. Um, so where does the blame lie with kind of the way things were so easily boiled over in that second half? It's definitely not the referee for me. Like, definitely not. I just think City were just being soft. Like, why are you being soft? Like, Rodri, you're in the 46th minute. You just had 15 minutes to chill out. Why are you coming out kicking off? Like, it's it's nothing to do with referee. In my opinion, Anthony Taylor is one of the best referees in England anyway. Like, he, I, I, like his, I like how he lets the game flow. I'm and I, want, I want to interrupt you when you say mm-hmm. that about Rodri at halftime because we've actually heard from Pep after the game that he said to the players, don't get involved in anything because it exactly. was starting to just boil over at the end of the first half. There was a lot of those little niggly fouls. And what does Rodri do? Immediately comes out and puts his hands around someone's throat. And Pep gave them specific instruction and told them, this is where the game is heading. Don't let it get there. Yeah, it's just it's just a place being soft. There's no other way to describe it, really. Like... Taylor, I, I like how he referees games. As a fan, um, I like to see an open end-to-end game. I want to see. I don't want to see it stopped every two seconds for a niggling foul. At the end of the day, I want the game to flow, and I, I want good attacking football. And that's what he wants as well as a referee. He didn't make that many mistakes on the day. I don't think. I, I was the whole stadium was booing around me, and I'm like, he's literally just made the right decision. Like, what are you doing? I, I don't understand. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just I, just I didn't understand the mentality. It was like. What what we needed was just someone like Diaz to just grab everyone and just be like, right, stop it. You just don't need to be soft here. Like, with a better team, we're going to outplay them. Of course, they're going to try and rile us up. If I was playing a Sunday league side against a team that were a lot better than me, I'm going to be a little arsehole and going to try and nip at their ankles. I'm going to try and do everything. I'm going to try and pinch around if I'm a striker at a centre-half. I'm going to do everything in my power to try and get my team an advantage. And that is what Morgan Gibbs-White, at the end of the day, Morgan Gibbs-White is an old school sort of English player where bit of a, he likes to rile people up. It's just what he is. He's just how he plays for football. He's a bit of a cocky little arrogant so-and-so, but it works for him. He's a good player as well. I think it, the blame is just entirely on sitting. I don't understand why people think otherwise. Like you don't Just because it's your team doesn't mean you have to be so protective of the players and be like, oh, they've done this, so someone's done wrong. No. It, it, literally, it was our fault. It was our mentality that was wrong. Luckily, we have got the rest of the players that can pull together and kind of band together and pull that performance like they did. Otherwise, it could have been a very different story. I'd just like to um, violently disagree with the idea that Anthony Taylor is one of the best referees in the Premier League. He is an absolute <laughs> joke of a referee. I don't, I, I, not necessarily for. Not necessarily Who do you think is the best then, Joe? Because I, I, I've had this conversation with a few people. Not him. And, who though? Because a lot of referees are shit. I've seen a lot Honestly, of referees think, are shit. I think Michael Oliver is probably Michael the Oliver. Best. Michael Oliver's the best one. I think. Yeah. He, I think, yeah. But but I, I, it's it definitely it definitely cannot be Anthony Taylor. The guys are the guys are the guys are joker. I think. Um, but then so but then most of the referees in the league are. But yeah, I don't think Anthony Taylor stands out particularly as a as a good one in the midst of all that. I think there's probably only one way to figure this out, and that's a. A referee royal rumble. We can all pay like ten pounds to watch the pay per view and just watch them beat the shit oh, out of you each other. Win that. that might actually be very cathartic for English football fans. Instead of having oh, this was. just built up anger all throughout the season, once a year, international break, just watch the referees beat the shit out of each other, and it'll expel a lot of demons. Bring back, oh. bring back Phil Dowd for the heavyweight division. 
Oh, well, no, that's unfair. No one can get Phil Dowd out of the ring. That's we not could, fair. We could make it the uh, referee World Cup and bring in NFL and NHL referees because those guys are hard as nails. And there's one, there's one NFL um, referee. I disagree with that with NFL. Don't NFL have like nine refs on the pitch? I'm not having that. No, but there are some referees that there's a there's an old referee named Ed Hockeyley who was a, a lawyer full time and a referee as his day job, basically. And the guy was built like a Dama Triore. And it was great. If any, if any NFL player was going to chat to him about the wrong calls, I mean, he just would have to flex one arm and they would back down. Um, I like how you say that. Um, because he's a lawyer, he has time to train. So it just proves that lawyers don't actually do a lot in your job. Exactly. There you go, Andrew Detmer. We're looking there right you go, in your eyes, Andrew Detmer. <laughs> That'll do for part one. We'll be back in a moment for part two. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The Etihad Stadium really is wonderful at this time of the season, and the same goes for McDelivery. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome back to the City Report podcast. If you are new here, please make sure you like, follow, subscribe, leave a rating, leave a review. That is the best way for us to get the show out to more blues like you. So we do have to continue to talk about Rodri as the song goes because, as we know uh, now know, he will miss Newcastle away and Wolves and Arsenal in the league. Obviously, the key game there being Arsenal. Um, let's talk about how Pep is going to replace him in those three games. And I don't want this to um, spiral into a Calvin Phillips debate as it did on yesterday's podcast. If you haven't, go back and listen to yesterday's podcast. I got into it a bit with Ali McCool over the... Uh, the old Calvin Phillips uh, discourse. But with you two, and I know you two are also very uh, on opposite sides of the Calvin Phillips debate, but we're not going to let it go there today. Joe, if you're Pep, and obviously we have a couple different types of games, you know, we've got a cup game, a game against kind of relegation fodder, and then obviously maybe the biggest game, one of the biggest games of the season against a, a title rival in Arsenal. Um, is it replace Rodri by committee? Rico Lewis, Nunez, uh, you know, defenders stepping into midfield, Kovacic, or is it Calvin Phillips? I mean, what's the best way for Pep to go about um, kind of replacing the irreplaceable almost? So I think for the cup game, uh, Calvin Phillips is probably going to get that game no matter what. So I don't think anything really changes there. Um, it gives him it gives him maybe a chance to stake a claim for the Wolves game. That he might not have, that, well, I say might not. He realistically would not have had that if Rodri were available for for, the, for that Premier League game. Um, so it gives Calvin Phillips sort of some, uh, you know, if he doesn't already have the motivation to play well anyway, then he's definitely got it now because he knows that there is a chance for him to play against Wolves if he if he does put in a performance that that you know that impresses. 
Um, I think in regards to Arsenal, though, he's. I don't think it. it I don't think it can be Phillips. I, I don't think Pep will trust him in a game of that size. Um, even if he has, you know, because of the sort of Newcastle is going to be sort of a Carabao Cup game where I don't know what strength size Newcastle going to put out. You would think they would go strong because the chance for a trophy, but he's going to be in a pretty just uh, a pretty disjointed City side no matter what. And then obviously Wolves are you know Wolves this season are, are terrible. He can play well against them. It doesn't mean he's well. It doesn't mean he's good enough to come in coming to Arsenal. So he's in a kind of bit of a, a lose-lose with those games, really, to be honest. It's it's not like he's going to make him ever do... I personally don't think he can do anything to prove himself worthy of starting against Arsenal. But in the Arsenal game, I think that probably is where you replace Rodri with maybe maybe a couple of players. I think Kovacic is nailed on to start in that game if he's, if he's fit and doesn't sort of you know, do anything worse for his injury. Um, I think Kovacic comes in, but then maybe you sort of bring in Maybe you bring in Lewis to come alongside him. Perhaps maybe you bring in, maybe you sort of play a Kanji in that sort of John Stones role that I think he's tried to use him at the start of the season with. Basically, there is going to be a, a there is going to be somebody alongside whoever is going to be replacing Rodri. You would imagine in the in the middle of the park because I don't think I don't think anybody has sort of the positioning and physical attributes that Rodri has in our squad that can possibly replace him. So I think the only way to then replace those attributes is to have literally two players do it for him um which i'd be fine with i think in that situation if you're gonna if bernardo's fit i'd bring him in and have him alongside rodri because both can obviously shuttle up and down the midfield and both drop in deep when we don't have the ball um i'd be happy with lewis playing there to be honest because i think even though he's not the most physically dominant i don't think arsenal have got the most physically dominant midfield on the planet anyway especially if Rice playing is him be injured in midfield or tucking in from right back as i would maybe I would maybe play him in midfield the way Pep did against Burnley, um, because I imagine that Pep probably expected Burnley to set up in a in you know a bit more of a passing similar way to Arsenal and use that. I'm I'm, I'm only just guessing there, but um, I would be happy with Lewis starting in midfield as well. Um, but then I would imagine we'd probably only see three defend. It, it would probably be a bit of both. It's difficult to really tell to be honest. But um, yeah, I. I uh, you're gonna have to put for me. You're gonna have to put two plays in to replace Rodri. I don't think you can just replace him. Like just put one person in that six and just call it a replacement. You're gonna have to pretty significantly adjust the midfield for Arsenal. To be honest, yeah, I think that's fair enough. And I think this whole situation is inflamed by the fact that John Stones is still out. Because I think if anybody can kind of help cover that that area of the pitch and be somebody that can defend and and clear the space it's probably stone stepping in from from his defensive role like we saw at the end of last season luke what what attributes does rodri have that are irreplaceable because as we've mentioned there are some and if we're considering that two people are going to have to replace him um what is it that he does that kovacic can't do or that nunez can't do or that phillips can't do by himself it's his brain I think it's just his brain in general. His footballing brain is the best I've probably ever seen. He just sees everything before like the crowd, before the, the opposing team, before the manager from time to time. The amount of times he just cuts a lane, like a passing lane, that I just wouldn't even think about doing. He, he does it every game, non-stop. I personally think that Pep might enjoy the challenge of Rodri being out against Arsenal because Arsenal were a very, very pressing team. Now, if you watched them against Tottenham, Mate, they are on the ball from moment one until moment 90. They are running at you like it's nothing. So I think playing an extra man in midfield who has a little bit more technical ability, 
For example, if he plays like a Kovacic sitting deep and he's got Nunes and Bernardo alongside him, I think Pep will like that because we'll be able to play out a defence a bit easy. That's what I think. That's the way I think Pep will look at it. But this is Pep Roulette. What's going to happen? We don't know. He could play Gavardio at centre mid and I'd be like, I can see that happening. He could play Buddy Harland hold it. I don't know. And I don't know what he's going to do. He could do anything, couldn't he? He's Pep. He's Pep Roulette. Um, but yeah, it's the leadership qualities. And I know it's mentally saying about leadership after what he's just done, but he's still the leader in our team. He's proven it throughout the Trevor winning campaign. So oh, I just hope we control the field as well as we have done. I, I feel like the Arsenal game is going to, I don't think it's going to heavily impact our tactics as much as it possibly would have done because Haaland is the beast up front. I feel like the way at getting that um, is to bypass the press and to bypass the press, you've either got to play your way out of it or you've got to go long. And I feel like we do both very well anyway. Um, is it really bad to say I'm really excited for the Arsenal game? I feel like it's going to be fascinating. No, I, th- I think it does kind of bring an added element. I don't know if excitement is the word I would go for, but um Joe, one one question it does bring up is, and and Luke, as he said, he doesn't think it necessarily impacts the tactics all that much. But one thing that comes to mind for me is, if Rodri has to be replaced by two people, surely that extra person is coming from somewhere else, right? And I would imagine that's somebody that can go forward and carry the ball. Um, if if one of Rodri's best attributes is his ability to, on his own, go from touchline to touchline, just kind of clearing things up in the way that we saw Fernandinho do it. Obviously, he does it in a different manner, but um, you know, surely that takes Kovacic away from being able to bomb forward a bit a bit more, or Nunez away from carrying the ball forward. So, so surely there there is going to be you know a kind of domino effect on on the tactics, right? Yeah, I'm kind of, so I have no idea if this midfield will be available against Arsenal, but I'm kind of thinking that Alvarez and Haaland are sort of nailed on starters. On the, uh, you may be looking at, uh, that, and, and this is where it just becomes difficult to call. So my midfield three would be, would be Kovacic, Bernardo and Foden. And all three of them can rotate in, and all three of them can rotate. I mean, Bernardo and Foden can rotate so on the right side. Playing as the direct Rodri replacement, no Nunes, not not against Arsenal. No, I don't think so. I think if, you, if I, I think we're going to take one of them out, it would have to be it would have to be Nunes because I'd rather have Bernardo and Kovacic sort of sit. Do you like how do you like how Bernardo played beside Rodri in like every time he played against Liverpool, for example? Yeah, 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 times. yeah, yeah. That's kind of what I'm thinking with Kovacic. But Kovacic sort of isn't Rodri, right? Oh, no. no, that's correct. that's the thing. But currently, I think you might be falling into a bit of a trap here, Joe, where you're trying but to replace current, but, him too hard. You're kind of forgetting about how Arsenal will play against us. I think if we play Foden in, in midfield, Arsenal looking at that thinking, "Oh, we're gonna we're gonna bully him here. Like they're, they're gonna run at him." Yeah, I, 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 but also it takes away from our attacking prowess as well. Would you play Doku? Um, I think I would just to give just to give who's their right back Ben White. I mean, if you can't if you're not going to put a pacey guy up against Ben White, then I don't know. Like, I don't know what you're doing. Like, I think, but but for me, like the Foden and Bernardo can both sort of drift out wide as well. It's because obviously both of them play on the right quite comfortably. Then you can sort of move into a four four two when we actually have the ball. With say say if you're putting Doku on the left, for example, you've got Foden or Bernardo on the right, and then whichever of the other two in the middle with Kovacic. And then Haaland and Alvarez up front just sort of doing what they've been doing all season. And then probably just our normal back four of like Walker, Diaz, you know, um, 
Gvardiol and Ake or or a Kanji and Gvardiol, whatever it's going to be. But yeah, I think I think that's personally what I would do. But I'm I you know I could look like an idiot in like three weeks' time when it turns out that he's done something absolutely mental that none of us have even prepared for. All right, we're we're going off on a little bit of a tangent now. Obviously, the Arsenal game is still a ways away. Um, so to get us back on track, we are going to do. Surprise trivia! Those of you who listen to this show on a daily basis will remember this from last week. I did it with Joe and Andrew. We are going to play a little trivia game that we have absolutely stolen from the football ramble. Now, Joe and Luke, this is the game. I am going to give you guys a category. I used the same example last week. I'm going to use it again. The category may be fruit, and then you are each one by one going to list one item from the category so luke would say banana joe would say apple and you will go back and forth until you cannot think of any more fruit if you can't think of a fruit or you say uh steak steak's not a fruit then and this is what i did wrong last week everyone someone pointed it out to me the opponent will have one more chance to get a correct answer from the category and win the game does that make sense aye aye captain yes it does okay if your answer is correct. You will hear this sound. If your answer is incorrect, you will hear this sound. Oh, no. All right. Oh, my God. Gentlemen. Four, uh, what, probably listening to this thinking, why do we choose these, lads? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> it's for this game exactly that they chose us. Your category <laughs> is City Goal Scorers in League Cup Finals in the Pep Guardiola era. Oh my God. Now, there are some repeat goal scorers. So if you say a player that scored, acro- scored across multiple finals, their name is completely taken off the board. So if they scored four goals in four different finals, there is only one of their names on the board. Are you guys each ready? No. no I don't, I don't remember individual games. I was, right. we are, I was smashed at most of them. Sounds like a perfect time to play this game. Then we will start. This just, so this is just the Carabao, just, just the, the Carabao Cup. League Cup Finals goal scorers yeah. in the Pep Guardiola era. All right, we will start with Joe, who was our winner last week. Joe, you may go first. Just to quickly ask one clarifying question: Do you mean literally the final, as in at Wembley, the final? The final, yes. Oh, mate, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm struggling. Cool. Why, why my, my brain's going back to 2014 only? <sighs> Right, um, I'm going to start with Emmerich Laporte. Um, Sergio Aguero. Raheem Sterling. Riyad Mahrez. Oh no! Only had one over. Riyad Mahrez <laughs> has not scored in any League Cup finals. Joe, for a chance to win, God, I'm really, I'm actually really struggling. Um, trying to think of the years that we won it. Uh, David Silva. Oh.
Oh, mate, uh, it's League Cup football. <laughs> I won't lie. It's mad I could only think of two, I could only think of two finals. Mate, I all I could, all the, I could think the, about was the Sunderland final. That's all I thought about in my head. I was like, yeah, yeah, Torre, yeah, yeah, Torre, yeah, yeah, Torre. That's all that was going through my head. Luke, can you, this is not for any points, can you name all of our opponents in the can League I Cup finals? Mate. Everyone, everyone who knows me knows it's a no. Aston Villa, Arsenal. Yes. Um... There was one that had no goal scorers. Chelsea. Correct. I'm trying to think if I can then, think of any. <laughs> Spurs, Spurs, uh, Spurs is the one that Laporte scored against. Yeah. I don't remember that Spurs game. No idea about that Spurs game. I remember Sterling scoring. No, I, I, but that's that actual Spurs game. That's, that's all four then, isn't it? That's all four games from the Pep era. Yep. So you won all four. Right. Um, because we had so much fun, <laughs> Let's do another round, hey? I had a tiebreaker round all set up, but I want to do it anyways. Okay, <laughs> this next category, if you can't remember individual games, you're going to love this. This is all of City's opponents on their way to winning the FA Cup final in 2018-19 to, to wrap up the domestic treble, all right? I would like you to give me all of the impo- opponents, including the final. Are you guys ready? I've got fucking no idea. <laughs> I'm not ready, but I'll do it. Let's have it. All right. You don't get any preparation time. Joe, as our third time in a row winner, you may start. Go ahead. Are we including the final? Including the final. Uh, Watford. <sighs> fucking no idea. Um, Chelsea. Jesus fucking I've got Christ. no idea, mate. I don't... Right. People who know me know individual games is really not my forte. Right, I've got a brain right, like Joe. a sieve. Joe, for a chance to win it again, name one team from City's run to the final in 2019. I'll tell you what, the, the City Get Easy Draws crew may have a point here, by the way. Yeah, I have a feeling, did we not get... Did we get Sheffield... No. Yeah, did we get Sheffield United? No, we no. did not. Is that, is that the year we got Burton? Oh, nah. No, that was the Carabao. Nope. So we got them in two legs in the second. So actually, is, is, we is have, that the year, is we that, is no that year when Fabian Delph nearly scored an absolute screamer against like Swindon Town or something stupid like that? You can remember missed chances against Swindon Town, but you can't tell me one team from City's run to the FA Cup final? Mate, my, my, my brain is fantastic. If you want to listen, if you want to live a day in my brain, you'll you'll learn some you'll learn was some it, things. Did we get did we I don't want to live Bristol a day City in Glossop in or in your brain. What Joe? Woo-hoo-hoo! Did we have Bristol was did we have Bristol City in that running? No. No. Oh, I don't, I don't. So we have no do winner not, from. Do I not? Do I not win because I got one and he didn't? Is that not? Is that not? A nah, win? mate, you, you got you got to go again. Unfortunately, yeah. It's, it's, it's Listen, okay. as we all learned from the summer quiz series, me and Amos aren't the best quiz masters. All right, we're just we're <laughs> absolutely winging it. The other opponents were Rotherham, Burnley, Newport, Swansea, Brighton. Oh, I was going to say Brighton. Oh my god, Brighton in the semi-final. Yeah. Oh, that's so annoying. That, oh. I thought you might get that because it was Wembley, but 
Yeah. Oh, God. All right. Um, if you would like to join this podcast and replace these two who don't seem to know a thing, just send in your application <laughs> to adambooker at gmail.com. That is actually not – that's not my email address. Oh, so I was going to send you some right abuse for the next week. Oh, if you send it. anything to that person, it won't actually go to me. That'll do for today. Thank you guys for tuning in. Leave a rating. Leave a review. That's the best way for us to get the show out to more blues like you. Joe, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Luke, thank you. Thank you very much. And also, if anyone wants to send on a book of abuse, just message me on Twitter and I'll be able to send you his number. Don't worry. <laughs> That's true and probably <laughs> illegal. Goodbye. Make sure you're geared up for Man City's end of season running with McDelivery. Great food delivered right to your door. By using McDelivery, you won't miss a moment of City's crucial running. And just like Kevin De Bruyne, they deliver your order exactly where you want it. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? At participating restaurants only, 18 and plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.